Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans, welcome to episode number 331 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is August 4th, 2014, you know what that means, the very first practice of USC Fall Camp 2014 is today, actually tonight, 6.15pm at Howard Jones Field, the first time in four years USC Trojan fans can watch football practice from the sidelines, you'll be able to get into the practice. Howard Jones, watch on the east sideline. So pretty exciting news on the USC practice front all this week. Uh, from the 4th to the 8th, fans can watch from the practice field on the sidelines. It'll probably be pretty busy these first couple of days, so get there early. Uh, you will be able to watch from Howard Jones Field, I mean, from the Dado deck, watch onto Howard Jones Field, the uh, other practices. So we, can, uh, we post it on message boards on uscfootball.com, which practices are open, so you can go and check those out. Uh, and we'll let you know. Check it out. Practice starts tonight. Fall Camp 2014 countdown to the season is officially on. All right. Uh, want to let you know if you have any questions or comments, we love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address, or you can call us at 206 888 6755, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Check that out. You can click on the left side of the page. Leave us a voicemail there. So for the show today, I'm going to do another solo segment like we did last week, answering some of your questions, doing a little fall camp preview. Then we're going to bring in Coach Harvey Hyde in the second segment, talking about USC fall camp. We're looking forward to seeing him coming out there and uh, checking out these new-look Trojans under Steve Sarkeesian. So lots going on on that front. So stay tuned for that a little bit later on in the show. I wanted to let you know you can follow us a lot of different aspects of uh, social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. We have a big Facebook page. I think uh, 57,000 likes on our Facebook page so far. Just facebook.com slash uscfootball.com all spelled out. And we do have a newsletter, a monthly newsletter that goes out uh, every month. That's be a monthly newsletter. Go to trojansinc.com, trojansinc.com. You can sign up for that newsletter there. So just kind of updates of what's going on. It's completely free. We won't spam you or anything. Any big news going on with the site or the team, we can send out a newsletter as well. So check out all those things out. All right, so let's get things going here. Uh, I want to talk about fall camp a little bit. First couple practices will be uh, helmets and jerseys only. So there's not going to be uh, pads after you know for the first couple of days. Practice times are kind of all over the place, so that's why you definitely want to, to check the schedule. There's not a really um, – it's no set pattern, I guess you could say, as far as practices go and, and all that, when they're going to happen. Uh, but there, you know, there's specific ones that are going to be open to the public. We don't know for sure about the Coliseum practices yet. There's a few of those mixed in there. There's one on the 16th, I know, and you know, we haven't heard from USC yet if those will be open, if fans can go actually check out the team practicing in the Coliseum. Uh, Media access is actually about the same. You can film the first 20 minutes. We can watch all of practice. Uh, We're not allowed to tweet about or, you know, post about, talk about any kind of uh, play, strategy, things like that, which makes sense. Um, Steve Sarkeesian will give us injury updates uh, 
at the end of practice. So a lot of the stuff is similar. We thought they might close them off where we couldn't see the middle portions of practice, but that's not going to happen. So that's good. It'll be a little bit more coverage uh, for all of you guys out there. And, you know, it's good for us. I like to be able to watch practice, and it gives me a better idea of what's going on and which players I want to talk to and what kind of questions I could ask and things like that. So for the most part, it looks the same. Fall practices during the season will actually, as of now, they're still open, and uh, at least the Tuesday and Wednesday practices will be open. We won't be able to attend Thursday's practice, and they usually do like a walkthrough on Friday uh, before the game. So we'll be able to get access on Tuesday, Wednesday practices. They're going to be at 8 a.m., so that changes things up uh, a little bit. As far as what the team's going to look like, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of radio, uh, people asking questions about this, and I put up a story um, the night before, you know, on uh, I think it was on Sunday, or it might have been Saturday night, the, the eve before um, – USC players reported. They reported on Sunday. Practice starts on Monday. So really, this is day two. Monday is day two of, of fall camp. But you can check that story out on uscfootball.com. Uh, Chris Swanson did a preview, uh, a position preview. It's pretty detailed. Kind of goes into things like that. Where I just kind of, I, I, my piece, I kind of try to touch on, you know, different position groups, what to expect. But certainly, it's a very talented roster. I think Steve Sarkeesian said it right at Pac-12 Media Day when you're talking about the 67, 68 players on scholarship. There's a lot of really talented guys there. Certainly there's some issues, uh, depth issues, but I, I think right now, I mean, the one major injury you saw was uh, Kenny Bigelow, and I think that hurts the defensive line depth. But for the most part, relatively healthy. Guys are actually com- more guys, a lot more guys coming back from injury than getting injured. So we'll have to see how the next few weeks of fall camp goes. You don't want to see any you know, major injuries, you don't want to see like high ankle sprains that keep people out for a long time, certainly knee injuries, things like that. So as long as they're able to stay relatively healthy, I think the team that they'll be able to put on the field is going to be as talented as, as anyone they play. So I think that's a good thing. You know, we'll have to see how the schemes work and all of that. Obviously, you know, the, the offense didn't look all that great in the spring, but there was so many bodies missing. It just really didn't, it didn't really mean all that much. So now they see that high tempo. They got the practices all summer. Really looks like it's a lot more organized than it was in the spring where they were just kind of getting up the speed on that learning curve. And I do think the defense is going to be – it's going to be similar to what you saw last year with Clancy Pendergast, that same sort of front. I know they call it a hybrid 3-4, 4-3, but I think – you look at it with the players, they're the kind of same guys are, are about in the same spot. Now, I know this the, the play calls are different, schemes are different, but I think you're going to see something similar to what you saw uh, last year. It'll be a lot different, I feel, from what you saw – the uh, 4-3 Tampa 2 kind of thing that Monty Kiffin run, ran uh, a couple years ago. So check it out. We, you know, we're we're going to answer some of your questions, too, on what's going on with fall camp. But once practice starts, we'll be uh, posting all kinds of updates on uscfootball.com. Make sure you bookmark that website, uscfootball.com. That's where you want to check everything out. That's a site that's been around since 1996. Check it out. All right. Uh, so let's get to some of these questions. Uh, Giovanni wrote me and said, knowing the jersey reserved for – Excuse me. Knowing this jersey is reserved for USC linebackers, is Steve Sarkeesian going to allow Toa Lobendon to keep the number fifty-five jersey for the season? Actually, I think that was one of the first—I guess you want to call it "quote unquote" mistakes that Steve Sarkeesian made, or maybe it was an oversight or something like that. Um, Lamar Dawson still has the number fifty-five jersey. They wanted to keep it as a linebacker jersey, so Lobendon now he was fifty-five before. He's going to wear. Uh, number fifty now, so I think that's a I think that's a good thing. 
I, I don't – I mean, if, if there was something – if that number was very special to him for some reason. I mean, even so, it's such a special number for USC. It was nice of him to at least agree to to switch to number 50, and that's what Taylor Lebanon's going to do. So, uh, no, no number 55 anymore from an offensive lineman for USC. All right, next up, let's talk a little special teams. Uh, Melvin actually had a few questions, and so I'll get to – he, he – Guys, these long questions. I don't mind. I'm doing this solo. I'll kind of talk with uh, talk through the question and kind of talk about what my thoughts are on special teams. He goes, I know for some this is a boring issue, but I think special teams can make a big impact for this team, and I assume we will stick with Andre Hidari and Chris Alvarado as the kickers. Uh, who would be the long snapper holder uh, for place kicks? So, yeah, so, uh, and then he goes on, what makes a special team so special, personnel on the team's, or the coach and his strategy against each respective team we play. The reason I ask is because some years we block kicks and other kick years we are silent. I assume the kick return teams depend on the quality of guys who return the kicks. All right, so let me, let's talk a little about special teams. Uh, yeah, so Andre Hidari, even though they kind of were – he was in a little bit of a uh, position battle um, you know, last year. He, he's going to be the, the main kicker, uh, and Chris Alvarado is going to be the punter. I, I think Hadari can kind of get back to the way he was more early, you know, earlier in his career. I think Chris Alvarado, he was doing a lot of directional kicking. He was very good at pinning it inside the 20. For me, the biggest issue was flipping the field. And it's not just on Alvarado. I think it was on the whole USC punt scheme last year. Um, they just weren't able to flip the field. If you're punting from your own, own 20, were you able to get it to the other 20 you know, or the other 30 or something? No, the teams were usually starting near midfield, which is was, certainly is an issue. Um, so there's that. Uh, he did a really good job of pinning inside, inside the 20. So when kicking from midfield, which is a place you usually don't want to punt from anyway, you hope the offense could kind of take you further. Um, yeah, so he was able to do that. So I think, to me, you got to watch on the punting side. Can you get that extra those extra yards of field position? Can you flip the field? When you're deep in your own territory, don't give the other team a, a head start and plus, you know, positive territory in your territory. You know, get them on the other side of the 50, push them out a little bit, and let, give the defense a little bit of breathing room uh, when you can. So, um, the long snapper is still uh, Mike Mc, uh, Peter McBride. Sorry, yeah, he's a so those three guys all came in on scholarship from that big recruiting class back in uh, I believe it was 2011, the, the 30 person class. So those three guys are all still there. Um, we'll have to see what you know as far as Holder, all that stuff. I think they'll kind of, you know, they'll probably mix things up a little bit, um, you know, from what we saw uh, last year. I mean, you could have Anthony Nyer, who's a walk-on quarterback, come in, hold. Uh, you know, it, there's a lot of different options. I think you're not. I don't think you're going to see Cody Kessler having to to do that kind of stuff. I think his his duties will be focused on quarterback. But you know, they'll they'll play with it. And there's a a lot of athletes coming in freshman athletes that their best chance is to contribute on special teams. You'll see gunners, uh, you know, potentially returners and stuff, but I think Nelson Aguilar is going to be, you know, sort of the main guy. They're going to try some different, different guys out there. It depends who gets healthy, but I think you're going to see Aguilar a lot. You can see Darius Rogers, uh, Buck Allen. There's a lot of guys back there that, you know, uh, athletic guys that could come in and play, you know, if George Farmer's healthy or, um, you know, Stephen Mitchell, there's, there's a whole bunch of guys there, but I think watch the freshmen come in. If they're going to make a contribution, a lot of times it is on special teams. So guys that are, they're hustling, making plays, getting downfield on punt coverage, things like that. So a lot of those bodies, you're not sure if they're going to play corner or receiver or, or safety or wherever, uh, those guys can come in and start, 
knocking some heads around uh, on special teams. And so Johnny Nansen's the new special teams coordinator. Uh, so we'll have to see how they didn't do as much in the spring on special teams. We'll watch a lot this fall to see what kind of direction uh, they're taking special teams in. So it, it should be very interesting. And I do agree, Melvin, it's a very important uh, you know, part of this whole process. You know, there's there's offense, defense, and there's special teams. I think Pete Carroll's teams were good enough where they could, uh, I guess, <laughs> not not focus on special teams as much. Um, you know, if you remember that Orange Bowl against Iowa, they, they gave up a opening kickoff touchdown, and it's happened quite a bit to, to Pete Carroll teams, but they were so good on offense and defense, it didn't seem to matter. They did get really good, though, if you remember, on special teams for a couple years. They didn't have a... Uh, special teams coordinator, they brought in a graduate assistant, Dennis Slutak, and I thought they turned around special teams rather quickly. So I, in my opinion, I do think it's important to have a, a single voice as far as running special teams when you kind of do it by committee and there's no real special teams coordinator. Um, I think you, there's some things get lost in the shuffle. So USC had one with uh, John Baxter the last few years. Uh, there, I think there were some good things and some bad things. I think they underperformed, honestly, to have a full-time uh, special teams coach. I, I like John Baxter a lot, but I really felt that the USC special teams underperformed. If you're going to have a dedicated special teams coach in there, Johnny Nansen's the running back coach, also coordinating special teams. So it's not like he's you know he's not dedicated to that. Yeah, I know John Baxter ran tight ends and stuff too, but that was that was with the uh, whole coaching staff shakeup there. But so yeah, so I think we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what Johnny Nansen does. Um, you know, he's got the running backs to run and see if they're scheme-wise on special teams. I don't think you're going to see some of the specialty stuff that you saw with John Baxter kind of concocting all these different things because that was really what he was focused on is special teams. So watch for fall camp, and we'll kind of keep you updated on what's going on. And let's see. He had another question. Uh, with fall camp opening, do you think USC will do prep for Stanford uh, as it is game number two on the schedule? Now, even though we have a game against Fresno State first. And uh, Melvin, no, I don't think there's going to be Stanford prep. I actually don't think there's going to be a lot of Fresno State prep. And so most teams, and at least, well, teams that I've been around and, and, and people that I've talked to, when you're covering a team like this, they're really focused on their team. I, I don't think that you're using, you know, day one of fall camp to work on schemes that Fresno State might run. They're working on. USC schemes. They're working on what USC needs to do. And once you get towards, you know, for, for fall camp, usually maybe that last week and a half, the week before a game, that's like a regular week of practice during the season. That's game prep. And they can install some stuff, you know, even the, 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 the week before that, maybe later in the week. But for the most part, fall camp is about getting your team right. So don't look at it as like these four weeks of practice or whatever, or they're preparing for Fresno State for four weeks. They're really preparing their own team first get everything right with the USC, and then kind of move on. So you won't see uh, scout team stuff at practice if you go out there early on. Um, you know, A scout team that's actually running what the opponent would run. So you're not going to see that with the black jerseys or whatever they're going to – You know, he might change it up this year. Um, you won't see any of that scout team stuff where you're running the opponent's schemes uh, until the week before the game and maybe a, a, you know, a few days or so. Before that, so yeah, I don't think they're worried about Stanford right now. They really are just worried about USC, and I think that's the right attitude. Is what you have to do uh, coming into something like this. There, there's so many different things for USC, different schemes, and, and trying to get everyone up to speed and figure out what these new freshmen can do that you haven't seen in the spring. Coaches haven't been able to watch them in the fall, 
someone's got to emerge and come in and, and, and they got to figure out who those guys are. So I think that's where the focus is going to be as opposed to worrying about Fresno State or Stanford or UCLA or, or whatever like that. Um, all right, Melvin had one more question. This is that last couple of questions I'm going to do in this opening segment are actually recruiting ones. And then we're going to bring in Coach Hyde. We'll talk more about uh, fall camp. So um, Melvin said, I see that USC's recruited uh, Asa Cedric Ware uh, from Texas. I've never heard of this kid. Do you have some background info on his style of running as well as the speed? Do you think we might lose in the next two years, Buck Allen, Trey Mountain, DJ Morgan, and Justin Davis? If that's the case, uh, we won't have any of these guys when we play Alabama in 2016. So I, I assume Coach Sark is aiming high and who he recruits now. Um, yeah, those guys aren't going to be around in two years when uh, <laughs> USC plays. Uh, I mean, maybe, I mean, Justin Davis could potentially be. Um, but, you know, DJ Morgan's gone after this year. I mean, those guys are, are not going to be around. You talk about two years down the road. I, I, and I don't think he's recruiting for one game in 2016 either, Melvin. I mean, that's not, you know, they're building the program. They're building the team. They're not worried about, well, we got to recruit this kind of running back to play against Alabama in 2016. That's just not the way the coaches would, would think about that at all. But talking about Asa Cedric Ware, uh, he's a three-star kid um, from Cedar Hill, Texas. And, yeah, I think it's funny because a lot of people hadn't heard of him. But he had a lot of offers. He had offers from like Florida and a bunch of SEC schools, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. So even though he's only a three-star, he's someone that a lot of uh, schools uh, were, were certainly after. And, you know, USC ends up getting him. I think it's a, it's a good get, a good out-of-state pickup for Steve Sarkeesian. So I think it's a really great class here in 2015, maybe the best in California we've seen in a decade. But he's still going out and getting a few commits from outside of the state and certainly it's early um there's a you know there's a lot of time left between now and signing day but he's, he's not someone that he's not maybe he's not really well known especially out here on the west coast but he's someone that schools know about because he has all these scholarship offers you look at that list of scholarship offers and you should probably feel better about usc uh picking a kid like that up but he's 5'11 190 pounds so i think he has decent size um you know from the, the guys i talked to that that cover him um there's a definitely has some explosive features in there. The explosiveness, uh, the size is pretty good, like I said. But vision, it, it, they say that he's really able to see the hole, and that's I think is a really important part of, uh, of being a good running back. Just I mean, you can be fast and have good moves and things like that, but if you're not really sure where to go, so I talk about his vision a lot, which I, that's something that I always put a little check mark next to um, if someone I know that I trust is a good evaluator thinks they have good vision. I think it's a good thing, but he has good speed too. He can be a home run threat. There's a a, a good mix of uh, power and speed. So he is a guy that can break some tackles, um, you know. But he can still take it to the house and, and be that home run threat. Um, they've they've told me that he kind of does run upright a little bit sometimes, um, but still does a good job of 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 hitting the holes and trying to get north south as as quickly as possible. So it's, I think it's a good pickup for USC. I haven't seen him in person yet, um, so I look forward to, to checking that out at some point. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know Asa Cedric Ware from Cedar Hill, Texas. So Texas running back. I'm sure other schools will continue to go after him. But when you got that list of offers from all over the place, big SEC schools, uh, you know, big all, all the kind of schools like that, then they're still going to be on him. So we'll see how that that ends up going, but. Seem to like USC a lot, and I, you know, I think the, the coaching staff likes him. So we'll we'll see where that ends up going. 
Um, and we had one other question. Uh, I'm just going to actually be a voicemail question. So let me pull that up and I'll play it for you. Hey, Ryan, it's uh, FWA from Riverside. Uh, tried to leave you a message, but it, something went wrong, I think. I'm calling to find out if you've heard anything about the new linebacker commit from the Detroit area transferring to St. Bonnie's this year to play his last year of high school ball. I love the podcast. Uh, look forward to hearing your answer. Fight on. All right. Well, thanks for that uh, voicemail question. And so let me give you guys some background of what uh, he was talking about. Actually, your first voicemail came through as well. So I just played your, uh, I think I actually played your second one accidentally. But you said both, they're both basically the same question. Uh, he's talking about uh, Dalen Hayes. Uh, he's a four-star linebacker from St. Mary's High School in Orchard Lake, Michigan. He's actually a 2016 uh, linebacker. So it's not tr- if he transfers, he's not transferring for his last year. It'd be for his last two years. And he actually didn't. He was injured. He didn't play. Uh, as a sophomore, so um, he would have his last two years. Now there was a rumor going around. Uh, we we weren't able to confirm it, or you know there it you know it it very well might not happen, but it's possible that he could uh, transfer out there. Certainly nothing. As the last I heard was nothing was set in stone. It was talked about um, that there was a possibility, but I don't think it was. Uh, you know, but he's you know right now St. Mary's High School, Orchard Lake, uh, Michigan. He actually came out and visited USC in uh, late July and then and pretty much just committed right there. Uh, wasn't big, like USC, you know, he wasn't big. He didn't have USC high on his list or didn't know a whole lot about USC. So I think that's one of those things you can kind of take with a, a grain of salt. It, was, it seemed like a very emotional, quick decision. Um, now, those things stick sometimes and sometimes they don't. But being a 2016 kid, being from that far away, being a quick emotional decision, um, it either could have been I'm convinced, and you know, and that's what he's telling us is you know he loved it and he wants to you know he wanted to commit there and boom boom boom, but you know like down the road how does USC season go? Uh, what's you going on with your girlfriend who's going to Michigan State or whatever it is? I mean, there's all kinds of factors that could go in between now and signing day, uh, 2016, which is you know obviously pretty far away but he has a lot of offers um another kid that's highly recruited he was uh he went down to the uh underclassman challenge in jacksonville uh and won the linebacker mvp award uh last month as well so big deal i mean it's uh he's he's a really great player um and uh if you watch some of the the tape on him when you go to a camp or something and, and we watch the the running backs and linebackers try to cover them. It's cool when a linebacker makes a play. It's a big deal, you know. It's usually the running backs have the advantage. There's no pass rush. They're just going out and and running routes and catching passes. And the linebackers aren't always the best at those kind of cover skills. And you know, some of them are good, and some of them you might make a play. But if you miss a couple, it's really not a drill that's set up for linebackers. But you watch some of his drills. And uh, man, he's like just dominating some of these running backs. It's like it's it's like the the exact opposite of of what you would think, especially a guy his size. He's six foot three, two hundred twenty five pounds. It's not like he's a you know a six foot you know two hundred pound you know linebacker that should be a safety. I mean, he's a real linebacker. And you look at him run and look at him cover. You think he's more like a defensive back uh, than a linebacker. So and he's got the you know he can make plays. He got these long arms that'll reach out and 
bat balls away and stuff. So he's a really, really good player. Uh, they, you know, he came out in the you know and as a four star guy now he's someone that could actually move up and you know the more he plays you know because he didn't play as a sophomore the the more he plays uh, I could easily see him end up being a five star kid so another you know 2016 out of state really talented uh, people are going to be coming all over him for the next you know year and a half or whatever it is um, so just keep it just keep an eye on him but he's certainly someone that is a great pickup for Steve Sarkeesian and, you know, bringing him out here and, and just ha- having him love his visit. I know Steve Sarkeesian has to be happy. It, I think it was harder for him to do that in Seattle. I mean, Seattle's a great city. I love it, but you know, you didn't have the weather and the, and you know, all the different factors of being in LA uh, that you do going up there. So it, it was harder, I think for Steve Sarkeesian to convince top talent from, Southern California, maybe even more so than across the country to come to Seattle when they, you know, they live in SoCal already. He's loving it now having that USC on his, his chest. He talked about this too at, at Pac-12 Media Day. It's a school that, I'm not saying it recruits itself, but there's a lot of factors that no matter who the coach is, are, but you have benefits there being at USC. So he's a really great recruiter. And now he has these other kind of aspects behind him. It's like he's a sales rep for a he was a sales rep for some product that wasn't that great, but he was a really good salesman, and he got upgraded. Now his product's even better, uh, and it's you know his sales skills along with what the product is at USC, I think, has really helped him as far as recruiting goes. So, all right, so that's it for the solo segment of the Peristyle Podcast. We are going to take a quick break and come back with Coach Harvey Hyde talking more about USC fall camp. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. All right, we're back on the Peristyle Podcast. We have Coach Harvey Hyde joining us. What's up, Coach? How you doing, sir? I am doing great, buddy. How are you doing this fine Monday? Yeah, fine Monday, the start of USC fall camp. So we want to get your thoughts on what's going to be going down, what USC fans can expect. I just want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website. Call them at 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for anything here in Southern California or across the country, go to SCTickets.com, simple to remember, and they will hook you up. All right, uh, Coach, yeah, I mean, when you were a coach – Players reported yesterday. Camp really started yesterday for the players, but practice starts today. Was that always a really exciting time for you? Oh, it is. It's very exciting. It's the first time you have the entire team together, the new recruits, the returners. Uh, You're looking forward to a great season. There's a lot of enthusiasm, obviously, with a new head football coach, a new offense, a new defensive coordinator, new coaches on the staff, an exciting schedule. And, uh, you know, you go into it very optimistic, uh, one game at a time, one play at a time, and, 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 and you go into it uh, believing you can win. If you don't go into a season believing you're the best, believing you can win, 
and then you're really at a disadvantage. So you've got to start good. You've got to start fast. Your first game is very important, especially it's going to be very important for USC because of Stanford being the second game of the year and a conference game. Plus, you've got to move faster in preparation as far as in your camp. You don't want to get anybody hurt, number one. This is probably the best of the 67 scholarship athletes. This is probably the healthiest USC has been in years as far as going into camp. Only Kenny Bigelow is the one that probably won't be out there. All the rest of them will be out there. And you want to get through as healthy as you can, yet you want to be well prepared for the season. That makes sense, Coach. And I guess maybe you look at this team, like you said, only 67, 68 scholarships, whatever it is. Uh, but a lot of talent. Uh, there's talent all over the place. You know, there's some depth issues for sure. But of one position group, to me, the the it's a deep group. They've got 14 guys on scholarship. But the offensive line is, is certainly – there's some questions there. We had a couple questions on the offensive line. So maybe I can – I'll ask you these and uh, kind of get your thoughts on USC and the offensive line because I think that's where one of the areas where a lot of questions need to be answered this fall camp. But we'll start with Kevin in South Orange County. He wants to know what the story is with Khalil Rogers. Uh, I read that he everyone expects Andre Walker to start at right guard. Do you think uh, Khalil is underperformed or uh, in the spring and summer? Do you think that he deserves a, a spot? Uh, is it tough as it seems? Where do you think Tim Drevno, the offensive line coach, feels on all that? So, what kind of get your thoughts on uh, Khalil Rogers, uh, Andre Walker, and, and that that guard spot? Well, I really feel this. I thought Cleo Rogers had a great spring for a young kid that redshirted last year and got thrown right in there as a starter right from the beginning. I thought he did a great job. He came along. He got a lot of turns. And probably right now I'd have him number one if I was making the depth chart. I haven't seen the depth chart, so I don't know. But he's had more reps under the new offense than Walker, Simmons, anybody. So I think he deserves it. And I think that if you don't make him number one, then and you give it just to somebody else, uh, I don't think you can, that's, that's the right way. I don't think the team will accept that. I, at least I would feel that way. Uh, what you did last year doesn't make you a, a starter this year. Plus, I've, I've got to see Simmons, and I've got to see Walker play this up-tempo uh, offense. So I think that, that would make them work harder. We'd find out how bad they want to be a football player. Uh, there's been some question marks as far as, attitude here and injuries here and I think I'd find out that hey if these guys want to be football players they want to bring their lunch pail to work but are they happy being a backup so I think that's what I would do at the at the left guard I think I'd love to see Simmons I'd love to see Walker step up and be the football players they're supposed to be five-star players uh, be motivated get involved big strong returning guys but again you can't take away the effort that Rogers did in the spring. You just got that was a valuable uh, lesson for him and experience. It was. And Andre Walker, we got to see him a little bit this summer, coach. He's come out towards the end, but you know we're really not sure as far as health wise where he's going to end up being. And, and you mentioned uh, Jordan Simmons. Tarek had a question on that. He said last spring, coaches and players alike were raving about Jordan Simmons' ability, especially in run blocking. Do you see him winning a starting job on this offensive line, uh, which will need strong run blocking to be successful? Well, I, I think he has the potential to be. He comes in that type of player. I don't know if he's ever really been in shape. Uh, he's big. He's heavy. Uh, he's got the you know he's got he's a five star player. I have to talk to him for a minute. He's a five star player, but uh, I think he has the potential. I think he 
should demonstrate it, and it's attitude-wise. Can you play a little hurt? I'm not asking my players to play hurt, but, you know, sometimes your mental attitude helps your physical attitude by you wanting to play football and how hard you get out there and try. So, offensive line, we talked about that. Let's talk a little bit about the, the style, the head coaching. And obviously a different head coach. A lot of things are changing. Schemes are changing and all that. Paul in Vegas had a question. He wanted to hear Coach Hyde's evaluation of Steve Sarkeesian versus Lane Kiffin as USC head football coaches. Not so much X's and O's, but overall head coaching style. I know coaching. I know coach is diplomatic and would never say anything bad about any USC coach, with the obvious exception of Paul Hackett. Uh, but we would all be interested in his gut level comparisons. So that's Paul in Las Vegas. Wanted you to kind of compare those two guys. Well, they're completely different personalities. Uh, if you uh, know the kids, uh, I call them kids, but they are kids. They're, they're different personalities. One's outgoing, uh, will do things, speak, uh, gets along with everybody. Uh, and the other one's sort of an introvert. The other one doesn't like to talk, really. I mean, as far as being interviewed, short questions, beat around the bush, uh, uh, do different things. So uh, they're two different individuals, and they both have their own style. Because they have different styles mean, doesn't mean they're not going to be successful at their uh, style, but they have different styles, and I think they, they, they have demonstrated that. Lane consistently uh, somehow had controversy, uh, not only in his decisions, but with his players, parents, the media, all of the distractions that were there, yet he won 10 football games. So he overcame a lot of things that uh, a lot of coaches may not have been able to do. But he did one thing, he recruited great players, and this year's USC team basically is made up of Lane Kiffin's recruits and Ed Ordron and the staff there. Now, Sarkeesian, uh, Steve Sarkeesian is more outgoing. Uh, he's a player's type of coach. He's close to his players. I don't think uh, Coach Kiffin was real close to his players. Uh, you can do that when you have when you're a traditional winning coach like Nick Saban and so on. You don't have to be real close. John McKay probably wasn't real close with his players, but he had great respect from his players. So I think they're different styles, and I think Steve Sarkeesian is a style that players like better, media like better, uh, fans like better because he's outgoing. He, he'll speak at any event. He's not too busy to be discussed or have to. You know, doesn't have time to talk to you. Uh, so I think that's a different type of style. Knowledge-wise, I like his knowledge in football a little bit better. You've heard me discuss the, the type of offense I thought Lane ran was too complicated and uh, for college football and also I think took a lot of the athleticism out of the players by the players having to think rather than play and demonstrate their great skills. Yep, I'll go back to say they won 10 football games. And uh, two of his teams did. Well, one and a half of his teams did. So uh, I think Sarkeesian is, is, comes in very positive. He's had a great offseason, yet he's got to demonstrate he can win 10 games. Now, that's something he's never done before, even at, you know, at the University of Washington. I mean, as a head football coach. So I, I think his best team won nine games at Washington. Now, actually, he went in there with a, uh, a, a, a loss that was very thin. Don't get me wrong. But he went in there and, and played well and uh, brought the, the team back. Well, last year, Tuiapasopo won the bowl game, which gave, they, gave them the – I mean, he was the head coach at that time. He didn't win it. But 
they got their ninth win, which is which is tremendous. But uh, now we have to see with that USC. It's a different situation. The more you talk about the great players, the more you talk about new tradition, the more you talk about uh, success and high rankings, the more pressure you have, and the more people expect. Um, thanks for that, Wayne Paul in Las Vegas, and, and you, Coach, on the, talking about the two different coaches there. Um, we had a couple other kind of off-fall camp you know, topic questions, but I wanted to get your thoughts before we do that, Coach. Uh, are there, is there some other storyline? I know we want to see what happens on the offensive line. Some other storyline you're looking forward to seeing or, or something you want to try to observe out at fall camp over these next few weeks? Well, I, I want to see uh, uh, player personnel, new players, athletic ability, placement of players, uh, uh, as far as who's playing what position, uh, schemes. Uh, is Cody Kessler going to carry the ball at times so you keep the offense, uh, uh, the defense is honest? Uh, he's got he's to stretch the defense. I'm going to see if they practice that and they do that. How much, uh, what are they going to do on goal line situations? Are they going to stay in their same up tempo offense or are they going to have a power offense? They did at Washington when they got down to the goal line. So I, you know, a lot of these things and on defense, I'm going to look at the schemes and placement of personnel. And also what I like to do in fall camp is evaluate the new talent. I like to see if the evaluation process is good, uh, forecast the ability of the players, uh, see how they run, see how they hit, see how they tackle. Uh, all of that type of uh, uh, of uh, evaluation, because that's your future. Uh, y- your future is your young class. Your future is what you're recruiting now. The future of the the Trojans are are youth, because you like to get young, great players and develop them into players that love to win, want to win, and have the ability to win. Uh, coach, all right. Well, let's get to a last couple questions, and we'll. Uh... We'll let you go, and we'll hopefully see you out of practice a little later this evening at 6.15, Howard Jones Field. Uh, um, Jeff in Orange County wanted to write about we were talking about the Pac-12 networks. I don't know if you've seen, Coach. The SEC network is, is just about everywhere, I think, except uh, DirecTV, and that seems to be uh, coming soon. If you, I believe by the start of the season, they're going to be SEC network is going to be everywhere. But Jeff in Orange County said, you and Coach were discuss- discussing Larry Scott's quote-unquote failure to launch the Pac-12 network on DirecTV on last week's podcast. Well, he's also still failed to secure a decent channel position on Cox Cable in the Orange County. Pac-12 network programming is still airing, airing on standard definition Channel 78. No HD TV coverage for any of its cable programming, including its live football coverage. Watching Trojan football in blotchy, pixelated SD on my new HDTV, it's not my idea of 21st century tech. Looks more like Pop Warner coverage of my local access channel. Come on, Larry, get with the program. How about axing Hollywood Pac-12 media circuits and start investing in deep, decent cable coverage contracts? Uh, Jeff in Orange County. Well, Jeff in Orange County, if you've been following me with this podcast or any other shows I do, I've been talking about that a great deal. In fact, they come out with articles. I read an article at the Times the other day. Uh, trying to reverse a negative to a positive, telling everyone how they're going to be ahead of uh, all these other conferences because they own their own affiliate. They're doing everything the same. I mean, they, you know, yeah, that sounds great. And they say they're not very close to getting that on DirecTV. But, you know, if the Pac-12 is going to catch up with the other conferences and get the recognition that the other conferences are getting, then you've got to be 
getting as much exposure as possible for your conference. You've got to do what's best for your conference. Maybe sometimes it's a short-term contract until you get things worked out where you can, uh, you know, negotiate. I mean, even if it's negotiating, saying uh, each individual that wants the Pac-12 network can buy it from these cables and pay what each people want to get for it. I mean, heck, I'd be happy to pay $5, 10 whatever the figure might be, a month to be able to watch the Pac-12 network. Great football fans would love to have it too, but Southeastern Conference fans, where that's where the numbers is that watch college football, they don't worry about you know cable. They just want to see games, and you've got to be on DirecTV. That's the biggest supplier, and it's a supplier that you have to be a part of. And you've got to be able to work those things out. And you've got to be able to say, if it's not happening, it's as much my fault as anybody's because I'm in charge of it. I get paid $3 million a year to get these things done. Don't tell me why we're not getting it done. Tell me how you're going to get it done and when is it going to happen. It's nothing. I haven't heard anything positive at all regarding that. It's going to be around for the next year or two. Now, I don't like personally going to some neighbor's house on away games and watching a USC football game. <laughs> I basically scout the game, okay? I scout the game. So I have to go to a neighbor's home, and they want to yell and scream and jump around and say, do you want another uh, sandwich, coach? I don't. I just want to be able to sit there and observe what's going on. So I really feel there's a responsibility to the Pac-12, all teams. I think there's a responsibility to all the fans of all of these uh universities, 12 universities, and I think that you've got to get on one way or another. And uh, I think it's a responsibility of the commissioner. Don't lay it off on the direct TV. Don't lay it off on your person who's in charge of uh, the networking and putting it together. You step up as the commissioner and take responsibility for it and get it done. That's just basically the way I look at it. If you don't win, you get somebody else that can win. And uh, that happens in all companies of any type universities as far as coaches in any realm of life. All right, Coach, I have one more question for you. It's actually a recruiting one, but it involves Las Vegas, so I wanted to talk to you. And then uh, I wanted to talk about the fans real quick at the end. But Andrew wrote in, he's like talking about Snoop Dogg's son, uh, Cordell Brodus, as he's talking about, transferred to Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. Do you think the Trojans have a real shot to land him since Randall Cunningham's son will now be his teammate and a future Trojan uh, himself? I, I don't think USC is really – uh, in, in the running for him, but I, maybe you had some inside info maybe from Vegas. What were your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, he's a great player. Okay, let's don't let's don't uh, talk to the Bishop Gorman coach last week. By the way, they're ranked number one in the country as far as by USA Today, as far as uh, high school football teams. That's absolutely a great uh, tribute to what uh, Coach Tony Sanchez has done at uh, Bishop Gorman High School. Uh, when you think about that in a state uh, such as Nevada with a, uh, a population of, you know, not not as big as a lot of cities, to have the number one team in the country is really a great tribute to Bishop Gorman High School where they have great players uh, coming out all the time. Uh, Xavier Grimble being one that went to USC. Uh, he's a great player. He's tall. He can run. He's got great hands. Uh, he's highly recruited. Uh, right now, he's uh, wide open as far as recruiting. Wide open. Uh, yeah, he hasn't said or given any type of an indication of where he's going to school or why he's going to school or whatever. He's talking academics and playing there. And uh, I think that's 
good. I mean, sometimes kids get too much involved in recruiting and forget what they're supposed to do on the field. So he's a new student there, so he wants to make sure he impresses. He does a great job. They're going to have a great team, obviously. So, yeah, I definitely think he has a shot at SC. Don't count SC out of, out of any athlete. It's one of the elite college football programs in America, and I believe his dad used to be on the sideline all the time. So if his dad was on the sideline all the time, there must be some type of relationship between USC and I think also he just made a large donation to USC. Now, you correct me if I'm wrong here. And with this type of relationship, I would think that he would be a, a great uh, recruit for USC, and I'd never back off on that. I think he'd be a great player. He's a big type of receiver. I think he'd do a great job. So, yes, I think USC has a real shot at, at this kid. I, I really do. Uh, he went there to play. He went there to get educated. And uh, I hope he does uh, consider USC, which I know he will. And am I correct about that large donation that he gave? I think so. Yeah, I believe so. I don't know for sure. But, yeah, I, but I knew you'd know what's going on. You talked to the Bishop Gorman coaches and stuff. So wanted to get your inside scoop on what's going on there with <laughs> with Protus. No, so. no, he gave, he gave a big donation. I, don't get me wrong how much, but it was, it was in the millions, okay? Nice. Um, yep. Cool, Coach. Well, thanks for that one. And then we just one last thing I wanted to get your comment on this. I tweeted about it this morning, and you can follow Coach on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. That's at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me, at Inside Troy. Um, but today, when you know players are on the field, Howard Jones, 6-15 tonight, there will be fans on the sideline watching practice on the east sideline of Howard Jones Field. Fans are allowed to come out and watch on the – on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week, can come watch practice for the first time in four years, Coach. Uh, with NCAA probation over, fans are now allowed to watch practices on the sides. They can't watch every practice like it used to be under Pete Carroll, but is this significant for you that fans will be back on the sidelines at Howard Jones Field? I think it's absolutely fabulous for young people to get out there and look at their heroes and get that close where you can almost touch touch them or talk to them and actually see the speed of these young people and see the size of them and what great athletes they are. I think it really sets a role model for young student athletes and parents and, and football fans. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I didn't like it at all when the fans couldn't come out there. I think players and high school teams come out there. I think it's great, and it would be great for USC football. And uh, to get it back the way it was with Pete Carroll in that era and and players running up and down the field. Plus, as on the selfish side of it, as the football coach and a team, I think kids practice higher when people are there evaluating them and watching them. I think it makes them feel good. The practices go faster, and they perform better. So uh, I really uh, I think it's great for USC football and all the community. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on the show, and hopefully we'll see you out there later this evening at Howard Jones Field watching fall camp. I'm going to try to get out there, buddy. I'm out in the San Bernardino County now. It's, uh, what is it? How hot is it? Oh, it's just 76, but muggy. But uh, uh, the Bruins open up out here today, too, you know. And uh, we'll see what happens, okay? All right. We'll go check it out. Hopefully we'll see you tonight. If not, we'll see you sometime soon. And thank you, Coach. And thanks, everyone else, for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Follow us, peristylepodcast.com. Go to uscfootball.com for all the latest news and notes on USC Trojans. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.
You've been listening to the Pear Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.